Welcome to Happy Times and Places, the flimsiest of premises to have a man waffling on throughout an entire episode of Doctor Who without having to bother to even get any mates round to bounce off. I do have a mate in this, but he's pre-recorded his contribution, saying his favourite things about his chosen story. Hello, Toby, and hello, everyone. My name is Richard Bignall, the editor of Nothing at the End of the Lane, and this time we're going to watch together part three of Pyramids of Mars. Well, welcome, everybody, to part three of Pyramids of Mars. Uh, I've had a break since parts one and two, but uh, I know that Richard Bignall, my guest, will uh, have some excellent thoughts and choices for part three, which, as I remember, is an episode I'm going to be spoilt for choice with. But let's see what happens. Uh, welcome. Thanks for listening. I'm recording this the day after Doctor Who's birthday. Uh, I didn't get much to do Doctor Who-y. Um, 58th birthday, because these are released quite, well, with quite a gap. Um, if you're not a patron, if you are a patron, um, it's frighteningly close because I'm running out of content. So um, that's the difference between patronage and non-patronage. Uh, one, you get it by the skin of my teeth, and two, you get it probably could even be after I've died. Um, but no, uh, I, as I record this, it's uh, but it's not topical, so it doesn't matter, you know. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to go. Oh, Marcus Scarman uh, is as mean as the current Home Secretary, Pretty Patel. And then, <laughs> by the time you get to this, there's been another three. Well, we can but hope. Um, sorry, I don't normally do politics, but I think she's quite grotty. Now, um, uh, I mean, I do do politics. I'm very political, but not in Doctor Who podcasts because it can distract us from, from. Uh, from what we're about, which is about celebrating Doctor Who. I'm not really, actually, that cheerful or positive a person either. Uh, so I'm doing that for these podcasts too. But anyway, let's not get bogged down in all of that. Uh, part three of Pyramids of Mars, uh, which Richard Bignall is going to choose his thing at the end of this episode. Um, and I'm on episode selection on the DVD of Pyramids of Mars. Well, by the time you get this, it's probably going to be available in microchip form. Uh, but for now, I want you to press enter in three, two, one. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great story, this, isn't it, Pyramids? It's, uh, although I'm going to let you into a little secret, I'm slightly worried about what happens when we get to episode four for reasons I will explain uh, during episode four, which is probably one of my least watched in its proper form episodes ever of Doctor Who I think I've I've illuminated you on that uh, in episode one when talking about you know how I acquired it and and my main watching of it Stephen Harris of course does not exist I know a couple of Steve Harris's uh, so um, I don't think I've even mentioned Sarah's costume have I which is terrific and good job she was wearing it considering when they landed uh and have I talked about the, the mummies? Uh, Nick Burnell, the leader mummy, sadly uh, died uh, relatively recently uh, and had a, had a good career. He played Patrick Cargill opposite Alfred Molina's Tony Hancock. I may have mentioned this in episode one. I can't remember. This is the problem when I take a break. Uh, uh, Kevin Selway was in hospital with a Facebook friend of mine and Melvin Bedford. Yeah, I think I have mentioned this. Um, it's okay. We're, we're warming up. Um, 
Tom Baker is waspish in this. He, animated human cadaver. I love that uh, dialogue. But uh, and, and uh, credit to Michael Sheard because he's he's contrite and he's nervy, uh, but he's not a coward and he's crucially he's not annoying because these characters are, are sometimes and it's funny because I remember when we when we had the book and my my brothers talked about you know the Doctor helped by Lawrence Scarman and all that sort of thing. I remember it being a real shock in my childhood to discover that Lawrence Scarman, who I thought was the sort of main good guy. Uh, died. So that seemed to me a thing that didn't, didn't you know, didn't happen in Doctor Who. I was, I was obviously less experienced of the show. Um, and Gabriel Wolf, he does so much whilst sitting uh, in a chair. And he's quite sweet in the making of this, isn't he? Which I haven't seen for years, but I remember him saying, "Well, I thought everybody would just, uh, you know, I thought, I thought Bernard Archard was the, the 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 main thing that everyone would like." And actually, Bernard Archard is is superb. And when I first uh, you know, watched this and had this on VHS. It was definitely Bernard Archard's performance as the animated human cadaver. He seems to take that as his, as his, uh, as his um, cue. Um, uh, 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 is is a really good piece of work, and he he was cropping up as the pathologist in Bergerac. I remember being quite pleased to see him, and in fact, I actually taped little clips of Bergerac because. He was popping up in it, and I like to have clips of Doctor Who actors in other programmes because I didn't have that much Doctor Who. So I would watch these sort of just bits of Bergerac with Bernard Archard and uh, uh, Ian Martyr or um, Forever Green with John Abenary and just watch those. It would be like, well, it's, it, I suppose it's quite close to watching Doctor Who. God, the things we did. I mean, this, this will sound like gobbledygook to anybody from the modern era where things are just... Uh, I wonder where those two lads are um, who are standing for... Lawrence and Marcus in the photo probably long dead if not I shall interview them um, I assume it's just a stock photo they might even have been long dead then um, but um, yeah Bernard Archard very good I wrote to Bernard Archard and was surprised to get a letter back I think because he always played these sort of stony faced big jawed well that's because that's what he looked like uh, but but you know if they weren't villains they were quite sardonic characters uh, and, and I saw him very much as a heavyweight actor. I thought, well, there's no way he'll write back to me. And he absolutely did. And he sent me a signed photo. But his And his photo was from the 60s. I don't know if that was the one he was hawking about to casting directors. But uh, anyway, so I have a signed picture of Bernard Archart. Um, I was quite uh, uh, surprised to discover his, his partner of many, many, many years actually was listed in, I think, last year's equity journalist being dead, Jim Bellchamber, James Bellchamber, the actor. And they were long partners for, I think, 50 years um, and and did ultimately get a civil partnership when they were allowed. Oh, poor old Lawrence Scarman. He's, and, and of course, Michael Sheard was so well known to my generation as, as Mr. Bronson from Grange Hill, who was firm and stern and... Uh, uh, mean and uh, and I think as I think I've said before we we sometimes underestimate just what a what a good actor uh, Sheard was and he was almost too nice he uh, yeah he diluted his cachet by making himself too available and also he wrote about seventy three volumes of autobiography which I think is a trifle too many uh, the first one is very interesting I mean it's very lovely and conversational is a tip if you're writing a book don't go oh I've just remembered what's the name of that actor I'll tell you what I'll go and ask my wife I've just popped downstairs and asked my wife and she's we don't need any of that 
We don't need to just say, I remember working with the actor and say his name. I don't need to find out how you discovered his name. Uh, you know, maybe in a sort of rambling documentary where you're looking for something. But in a book, I don't I don't need to see a process. Um, oh, this is a great episode. And it's, it's, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because this is green and sunny and uh, breezy. And yet there's a even there's a doom laden atmosphere. Uh, it's partially because of Tom Baker's very highly charged, but charged with, you know, dark star energy. Um, and, you know, Elizabeth Sladen, even though she is, uh, you know, she is subtle and she has these lovely little humorous little ticks that she does. She's taken it absolutely seriously. I mean, that shot of Tom Baker just in the hat looking up at the camera, the camera absolutely loves him. Uh and, and and I love the fact that she sort of, she she gives as good as she gets without it being a spike, without it being an annoying row, a bit like, you know, like Perry and the Sixth Doctor sometimes got a little bit too much sort of bickery. The Doctor's quite sort of t terse and bullish with her and she's like, yeah, all right. And she, and she sort of dilutes it, but without sort of taking it on too much. It's a great dynamic. She's like, one wrong move and you'll never never know the time again <laughs> it's full of so many good lines this uh, Stephen Harris Robert Holmes uh, you sure did know how to write Doctor Who and uh, and you know that's a that's a fairly straightforward video effect but it uh, it doesn't look too uh, too hokey to me um, sometimes trying but you know this 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 shot here this stuff on film out here could be broadcast could be broadcast today, I think, with no... Uh, you, you, you wouldn't change very much about it at all. Okay, there's the inside of a thermos flask, but um, I, that that works for me as well. Um, in fact, probably kids today don't know what the inside of a thermos flask... Oh, you've probably cancelled them. Sorry, I'm trying to be an edgelord. Uh, but no, you don't, uh, you don't know what a, a thermos flask looks like, I shouldn't think. Young people, my children don't. And they lecture me on world politics. Can they make a cup of coffee? I don't think so. Anyway, that's a story for another day. Uh, that's a delightful. Uh, that's a delightful uh, scene. You know, just just. Uh, uh, but but, um, and I like the I like the light on the uh, on the on the sarcophagus, especially as it only sort of flickers across the the blue stripes uh, and not the, not the grey ones that's a, that's a neat effect yeah that really works i assume that's some sort of front axial projection and 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 it's working on the bit of the set that's painted that particular color which is which is a, it's a i like effects that don't particularly draw attention to themselves until you as i have done then just think about it too hard i think i don't think that's going oh look at this wild thing it's just a nice piece of attention to detail um he's a very memorable villain for one that's in two and a bit episodes who largely sits on a chair uh it's a he's a wonderful all life is my enemy all life shall under the reign of sutek the destroyer it's great isn't it and and i i love that speech but there is something about the addition of the word fish i don't know and and it's perfectly right why why shouldn't he say that but i i do sort of think yeah animals reptile the fish oh, what, what what fish don't do and i don't know why i've i i, I select fish for it's just quite a funny word isn't it fish in that context in a way that the other words aren't <laughs> but 
fish fish slightly undermines it for me I, I, it doesn't i still think it's absolutely brilliant and it's superbly delivered and it's a it's a it's a you know glorious summation of the character and what a what a a, a force for evil he is um but i it's just just something about the word fish but it's no it's a great speech uh and i th- and um i was fortunate enough to interview gabriel wolf on stage for uh i love their banter in this scene uh for the 50th anniversary um i think i got uh did i have gabriel wolf no because i had julian glover michael kilgariff and stephen thorne but i did have gabriel wolf too maybe i had the four of them um and he did that so he got out his bit of paper and uh, and did that speech and i had a little chat with him afterwards as well uh when he was reading his book and he was very nice and he's got a wonderful voice he's married to a dame an opera singer i love this sweaty i don't know anything about jelly Knight and sweaty jelly Knight, but tom baker uh, I think ter- uh, uh, Terry uh, Terence Dix slightly explains it in the book. He goes, "Jellignite, when it's been da da is sometimes called sweaty, and then you." But uh, they they don't worry about doing that here. Um, uh, I I love, and it's a beautiful shot. She's ta- she's towering above him, just looking gorgeous. Oh, and then she does the sneezed, and he does the look, and it's not, and it's not a sort of hokey, out of place. Sometimes, because sometimes a sort of comedy moment in a bit of sci-fi, especially at the end of an episode, you're like, oh, come on, that's a bit hokey. But that's totally organic. It's it's part of their relationship. Uh, it's uh, sh- you know, she knows what she's doing when she says that line. He knows what he's doing when he reacts like that. He sort of knows that he's being a bit of a sourpuss. And uh, it's, it, you know, it's really, really layered. And they don't, they don't over, they don't have to point that out to us. It's just clear in the chemistry. Um, oh, God, does it happen this soon? Oh, so you've just had that lovely bit of sort of unforced natural uh comedy repartee between the doctor and sarah in a in a scene that i used to play over and i used to love god i used to watch this all the time the vhs and then oh the camera zooms in doesn't it yeah um oh kudos to paddy russell by the way the 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 atmosphere that she she infuses this with um and 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 the space that she gives her actors um and this is and look and the lovely makeup on uh on on bernard archard he's got uh he's got a slightly uh uh, uh a sort of silvery sheen you know to suggest the sort of the dead the dead flesh uh that the putrefaction held at bay you know but it's still sort of icy it's like living rigor mortis if you like uh and the, and the red eyes it's a it's, again it's a very subtle makeup job but it it does the job it it it's a, you know, there's a cold, clammy deathness to him, and he's got a brilliant face anyway. Look at those lines under his eyes and around his, you know, he's that that granite jaw that he's got. Uh, and this is this is a brilliant scene, you know. Two guest actors, absolutely selling it, you know. And it's not it's not what you normally get, uh, 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 you know. Uh, you don't do this at drama school. Uh, uh, a sad brother trying to talk the corpse of his other brother out of out of malfeasance um and and he's not too whimpering or cowardly he's trying his best sheard i think it's a it's a really lovely performance from michael sheard oh 
and as you don't see the smoke here or anything it's just you don't actually need it it's all it's, and it's all in the acting i took an off-screen photo of this please oh it's so horrible and that's the last we see of lawrence who you know looked like he was going to be especially when he was sort of bounding about the tardis with that <gasps> sort of public schoolboy uh, you know burpee slight laugh that he did um because uh, he was so excited by the time machine and let's not forget he invented the electromagnetic skeleton telescope what how many other years early it was so you know he could have been you're the stuff of legend and instead he sort of dies a rather sad death at the hands of the, the, the brother that he refused to accept was dead you know he did outlive his brother really but um had the rather unsatisfying coda of seeing the corpse of his brother he outlived walking around killing his friends oh it's not a nice story is it that's a brilliant image the three the three uh the three um mummies outside the rocket i mean i don't really buy it as a a rocket it's a it's a triangular tent but it doesn't really matter because it's it's actually a quite a nice design uh and, and the whiteness offset against the sort of gray sentinels the gray um uh uh patchwork uh, mummified uh, quilted sentinels um oh bless him and he's rocking away and this is a this is a grim scene as well isn't it because she touches him and he he falls off doesn't he? he's dead yeah oh and the way that the doctor sort of recoils it's not an emotional recoil it's a sort of oh that's the dead thing uh and he's he's got a grimness he's not being unpleasant he's about to get unpleasant there Oh, that's so inhuman. And do you know, if another doctor did that, I'm not sure I would let them get away with it. But Tom Baker has been, he started the thing so maudlin with the walk in eternity. It's like he's carrying the way. It's like, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like somebody's put a turd in Gordon Brown's Horlicks. I mean, he's got that sort of, he's got that sort of demeanour about him. Uh, and he's not being cruel here. He's not being, he's not rubbing it in. He's being... He's being, he has the pragmatism of somebody that, that, you know, knows the vast scale of the potential death that's available. Um, you know, it's not, it's, I prefer this to, to the scene where um, Jodie Whittaker's doctor didn't know how to talk to a man that talked to her about cancer. Do you know what I mean? Because this seems to me to have more sort of doom laden resonance about it and 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 it's there and, and the point that it makes while it does it tells you something about the doctor uh and i know that other scene did that as well but i just didn't think that one worked whereas this one this one does and 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 and, and tom tom baker's the fact that you 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 sort of sense that tom baker has um you know heard the echoes of hell in his ears um and has had to learn to shut them out and that he's troubled by it, but he's not gonna, you know, he's he's never gonna, he's never gonna share that. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's one of the first things Doctor Who ever did, isn't it? Put put Ian in the Dalek, which I'm not a great fan of, and and we've had it recently with Peter Capaldi in Davros's chair, which I'm not a great fan of, and now we have Tom Baker dressed as the Mummy, um, uh which sort of emphasises that they're men in costumes and they're such good costumes and they've gone to such a, a, a length to not have in, an entirely human shape by having that, that sort of breastplate uh, and the sunken eye bits, which, of course, Sarah has replicated. How has she done that? Well, because she's using the same costume that Nick Bunnell or Kevin Selway or whoever is, is wearing on Tom Baker. And I know that um, 
Tom Baker did not want to wear the mummy costume and and, and presumably said, let one of these lads do it. And Paddy Russell said, nope, uh, we'll be able to tell it's you, which is a sort of compliment, but... um, I, I don't know if the, the, Tom wasn't after compliments. He was after not having to wear a mummy costume. So I know that that was, uh, that was a, a bone of contention between them. And, uh, and I suspect, and it seems that Paddy was not, uh, was not diplomatic in the way that Tom needed her to be. Love that. And I can feel, and the noise it makes, I can feel that burning my fingers. That's, uh, I, he must have asbestos fingertips. Well, no, of course not. He's, he's a corpse. But I, I totally buy... That and I don't know if it burnt a hole in the carpet, but I, it it gave me the impression that it did. Isn't smoke brilliant? That sort of smoke, um, dry ice smoke. Uh, oh, it, 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 I mean, it was just having that in a scene was exciting for me as a kid. And Sarah with the gun. This seems quite unlike Sarah to me. And I remember the image on the, the the book, which I know is taken from a still taken from the story. But the image on the book cover of her with the the gun seemed really harsh and it wasn't a particularly flattering picture of Sarah. I remember thinking, oh, she's not, you know, I was, bear in mind, I was very young. She's, she, oh, Sarah's not very pretty, whereas, of course, Sarah is extremely pretty. Um, so it's, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great picture of her. Um, and I remember that was looking at that and going, oh, I don't know. My brother's going, yeah, we don't like Sarah. She screams all the time. She does not. But I, I, I was so in in my head implanted by my brother and sister that that sarah jane was a bit naff because she screamed a lot that you know i remember not having particularly high hopes for sarah when i started you know discovering past doctor who because that had been that had been um the lie that i had been sold and so it was only after watching a couple of elizabeth Sladen ones that i went i, I think i've decided that my brothers and sister don't know what the hell they're talking about and she is amazing and i i mean i think she's she's rarely rarely out of sync with with what each scene needs she turns hand to everything she does that light comedy she you know she does the banter she does the keeping it serious and now she's doing sort of gutsy i buy the fact i don't buy the fact that sarah is a crack shot but i buy the fact that elizabeth sladen as sarah in this scene is a crack shot, if that makes any sense. So she's been asked to do something that is, is slightly out of character, and I've got, I've got a hint of a feeling that she may have queried that as well. So I bet Paddy Russell had a slightly annoying day. Um, both of her leads querying. I could be wrong about the rifle, um, but but that that yeah. But but they both, and it's interesting that even if they are doing something that they're not happy with, they both actually do it with absolutely the right level of level of intense drama um to make it work and and to make it and i didn't really query it first time around it's only because i'm so familiar with this i even love that shot just the shot with the three mummies i i'm i'm yeah i don't quite buy the the doctor is the you know you you would think that somehow sutek and marcus scarman are, are, are in somehow um you know m- mentally simpatico with their servitor robots but okay I'll, especially if he could do that um if in a split second he knows to hold an explosion why why doesn't he know they're over there but anyway it, it's 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 fine i'm thinking about it too much uh, it's, it's just i think this this did always slightly niggle me um 
And you can sort of tell it's Tom Baker. He, do, he does move a bit like Tom Baker. I think Paddy Russell had a point. I'm slightly annoyed with myself for using people's Christian names. I think if you're talking about a, a, a piece of work, uh, uh, you know, you talk about Baker, you talk about Sladen, but, um, and I don't like, and I write for Doc 2 Magazine, I don't like Doc 2 Magazine using people's Christian names when they're doing an interview or a review or whatever, because I think if you're a, writing a serious article... You need to be objective, and you, you refer to people by their surnames. We're not a gang. They're not our mates. Um, uh, and, you know, when people when people refer to, you know, Pat, I don't know, Patrick Troughton, he's Troughton. Um, uh, but, but this is just my own snobbery. I'm not saying I'm... And I'm not going to be remotely uh, um, consistent about this. My, but my feeling is I should always say the person's surname. Um but, uh, you know, but I have m met some of these people, but, you know, none of them are my friends. So I should be able to. Uh, and, and as I say, uh, yeah, when, when, when somebody calls Hartnell Bill, I think, what are you doing? He's Hartnell. Um, but that's if, if they want to call him Bill because they consider him their friend or because they want to call him Bill, they can. And it's none of my business and I don't actually really care. But um, my, my preference is to do... Is the, I think Tom Bet that shot of tom baker isn't isn't that on the back of an an annual somewhere that 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 uh of, you know exactly the same angle as, as him moving moving through the through the sarcophagus um uh, i don't know why i did that it's just because i i sometimes i cringe a little bit i know people listening back to this when i say i'm talking about tom or whatever may may sound make me feel sound quite sort of conceited and boastful and i can understand that because I do think that when I hear people refer to um, somebody they don't really know who is their hero in a television programme by their Christian name. Um, but I have been lucky enough to do quite a bit of work with him recently and, and I'm, I do call him Tom. I t I, you know, uh, but that's something I tend to do only once I've had permission or uh, uh, I've, I've done something a, a few times and I've, I've you know, I've, I have done stuff with Tom a fair few times. Great model shot. Much, I love a model shot. Uh, uh, although the flames are too big, aren't they? Yeah, the flames, the flames, I, yeah, the flames look slightly, slightly too big because obviously they're the size they are on a, on a model, which is bigger. I don't know that it just, they, they just seem slightly out of, uh, out of shape, uh, uh, compared to the thing that they're on. Now, is that the, right? Is that the clip? Cause I remember at the end of Who's Doctor Who, the documentary, um, it goes, no, Doctor, you shall not die yet. And then it goes into, but of course, that's ending the documentary uh, saying, you know, this is the end of the documentary and, you know, no, you shall not die. You will carry on and there'll be more Doctor Who. So I was never quite sure where the cliffhanger was and I'm still never am quite because I'm, I've, as I say, I've rarely seen this in this form. So yeah, it's when the Doctor, and he does do that, um, doesn't he, Tom Baker? Uh, uh, he's very good at painful grimaces. He sells pain very very well uh you know he's oh john mcglashan he died uh, this year excellent film cameraman uh christine roscoe is uh, uh she's still about and uh is a very very good designer she's done a great job of this female designer female director that's very interesting um so look oh i love the bit in the i love the bit in the hut I love the whole dynamic with uh, with Elizabeth Sladen and Tom Baker. 
Um, I love Gabriel Wolf as Sutek. I love Bernard Archard as Marcus Scarman. Love the dialogue. Animated human cadaver. You know, maybe he sneezed. Uh, you know, m m m uh, like what is it? Mending wristwatch with a hammer and chisel. But I think I'm gonna go because I love the character actors and I love the guest stars and I like you know the the little guest stories we get and part of the fun of Doctor Who is you know rooting for the guest characters who may well die which you kind of know that the Doctor and the companion won't and it's you know it's that guessing game that you play of will they get through and you, and I think you invest in them when it's done well you invest in them um, and and certainly in part three to get somebody like Lawrence Scarman get uh, uh, dying. Oh, but the Doctor's reaction to that as well is great, that inhuman, which is so against my view of what the Doctor is. And yet it totally works because it also ties in with my view of what the Doctor is, which is, you know, an aloof, detached alien. But he's also supposed to be my friend. And I didn't see that alien stuff in him so much when I was a kid. I didn't think, did I? I don't know. I didn't analyse it. But Tom Baker is so good at that detached doom laden alien stuff and it's because he's he, and yet he as i say he he does it without coming across as a as, as a git um but no my my thing is is the two guest actors facing it off it's a beautiful scene it's really well acted it's really desperately sad you care you even care about marcus and he's been dead since the first scene um it's the scene between Marcus and dead Marcus, live Lawrence, soon to be dead, soon to be joining their number. Um, uh, yeah, it's when it's it's the scene in which both the Scarman brothers uh, are, are finally conjoined in death. Uh, it's a love. It's a, it's it's really well done. So I'm going to choose that. What's Richard Bignall chosen? Oh, knowing him, a geographical location, because that's his thing. No, I bet he's choosing something. Very good, because uh, he's uh, he's been playing along very nicely. So this is his part three best thing. Here we go. Now, I know you love your actors, Toby. So for part three, I'm going to focus on a performance. For this episode, I would really like to sing the praises of Michael Sheard as Lawrence Scarman. Now, Sheard appeared in Doctor Who six times during his career in The Ark, The Mind of Evil, Pyramids of Mars, the Invisible Enemy, Castra Valva, and Remembrance of the Daleks. But I think that Lawrence Scarman is by far and away his finest performance. I think that Lawrence is a wonderfully rounded out character, so brought to life by Michael Sheard. I absolutely love how proud he is when the Doctor asks him to demonstrate his Marconi scope. The childlike glee and enthusiasm he shows when he gets to enter the TARDIS. His palpable sorrow and sadness after he panics in the lodge when trying to save his brother, resulting in the failure of the Doctor's plan to break the link with Sutek. But above all, the absolute pathos in his final scenes, where he finally confronts Marcus and desperately tries to break through to whatever might be left of him by showing him a photograph of them as boys leading to his sad and pathetic whimpers as his brother finally turns on him, leading to his on-screen death. 
Now, there are some really fine acting performances going on throughout Pyramids of Mars, but I think Michael Sheard gives an absolutely standout performance that really lingers in the memory. Oh, what a lovely tribute um, to, a, to a wonderful actor and a fine servant to Doctor Who. I was lucky enough to meet him once. Unfortunately, I then got a, I then got a bit drunk. Um, <laughs> don't drink anymore. Um, so, uh, 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 yeah, it might not have been my finest hour, but I was lucky enough to meet him. And he was a good guy. Uh, and uh, he was great with the fans. And... Um, but he was, and this is, I think, sometimes forgotten because he was so familiar, uh, is that he was a really, really good actor. I like his perform. I like all his performances. I think he's lovely in Castrovalva as well, uh, and uh, uh, and and I like Doctor Summers. But no, this is this is his best. This is his best turn. And yes, Richard was right to celebrate that. I, th- I you know, I got a little bit of that because I I I picked a scene a scene that he was in. Um, so uh, do I get half a point? Do I get a, a quarter of a point? I mean, I'm not going to win. Um, so I will leave it in your hands. Your your hands. Oh, that's those were his. Those were Michael Sheard's last words in the episode. So they'll be mine as well. I shall leave the conclusion uh, and the uh, uh, the fallout of uh, 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 Richard and I's uh, confluence or not in your hands. Well, thank you ever so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock, and my special guest, Richard Bignall, who can be found on Twitter at Nothing Lane. I'm very grateful to the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, Barry Platt, Matthew Newton, Dave Owen, Melvin Pena, Keith Pirry, Jonathan Potter, Richie, Dylan Reese, John Rivers, Jim Saxter, Matt Sawyer, Keith Say, Neil Tate, Nick Tedston, Nick Temple, Sabrina Tirabassi, Reynard Toombs, David Trainier, Apollo C. Vermouth, Gary Wales, Adam Westwood, Rich Wiggins, Michael Williams, Andrew Willis, Andrew Wilson, and Stephen White. The music for these podcasts has been specially composed by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. So you want to be a patron? Well, maybe you do. Maybe I've uh, tempted you by the way I read those names out. Well, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, you can get early releases, bonus material. I've started to open up my archive of little bits of video that I've taken at little, you know, behind the scenes places and things like that. But I've also put on some extended comedy stuff there and some uh, exclusive podcasts that are just for patrons and in fact somebody had the suggestion in the uh, monthly ama that is also a patron exclusive uh, uh, ama means ask me anything i'm down with the kids and know the lingo um to maybe start doing commentaries on other shows uh, which i will do i think but that will again only be 
for patrons. Oh, yes, only the elite core can know what I think of an episode of Cleopatra 2525. I've still not seen a whole one, but I'd quite like to. And more, perhaps uh, importantly and usefully, uh, Quatermass, of which I uh, uh, do know quite a bit and have done a lot of research for. And uh, probably somebody suggested Blake 7 Gambit. Why not? So you can pop along to Patreon for all of that sort of stuff. As I say, £3 a month, although you get a 10% discount for signing up for a year. Or you could go to Kofi.com. There's no goodies there, but it's uh, not a commitment. What it means is that if you enjoy one of these and think I sound particularly hungry, needy or in need of a metaphorical coffee, you can put any uh, any amount into my metaphorical cyberspace coffers just to, just to say thanks or to say that you've liked it or you know whatever it's the modern way of doing things i feel terribly awkward at asking and mentioning it but uh, if you don't um if i don't uh, people probably won't uh, and it's this sort of level of professionally rendered uh, <laughs> um uh, obsequiousness that uh, is is what really needs money paying for isn't it i th- i thought i'd actually started this this coda quite well but it's uh, it's sort of run away from me a little bit not to the extent that I'm going to re-record it, though. I think I'm giving it a certain ramshackle charm. That's how I think I'm going to package it. So go to Kofi to, you know, really really put the sheen on this golden material. Uh, but if you can't or don't want to do either of those things, and that's completely understandable, I am just grateful to you for listening. But uh, if you are a listener and you enjoy this stuff, please Go to wherever you get your podcasts from uh, and give this a five star rating and perhaps a couple of lines of review because that will just help other people find it and then they will listen and hopefully like it too. I'm actually a professional comedian, you know, and do that old fashioned thing called live comedy every Tuesday, 8 p.m., Manchester Excess Malarkey Comedy Club. It's been going 24 years and I have been the resident MC since day one. That's a career trajectory, but it's a good night and it has uh, all the best comics in the land playing for as little money as possible. It's run on a non-profit making basis. And uh, so, you know, you get bang for your buck on a Tuesday night and it's at 8 p.m. in Manchester. And if you can't do that because of geography, inclination or other reasons, you can enjoy it online at twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey where we have an online version it's not the it's not the live stand-up show but it's uh, comics performing live from their living rooms but they're comics we get from all around the world and we do a little bit of an interview and other stuff audience interaction because on twitch you can uh, you can you can heckle via the medium of typing so that's a new thing we started doing in lockdown and it proved very popular so we're carrying on during real life uh, but only on the first sunday of every month twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey hopefully see you there so rumor has it ashley knight has started listening all the way through right to the end uh, there's a growing movement of uh, underground listener to the enders of this podcast type people. I, I suspect it's going to get an increasingly less record, rewarding thing to do. I, I, early on, I might have been able to come up with the odd uh, witty coda, but um, I, I suspect it's. I suspect the novelty's probably worn off by now. But anyway, hello Ashley, if you're still listening. 
joining joining the others, you know who you are.